What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Hola, Buenos Dias podcast. It's a very special edition this week. As you just heard, I'm Rob Stats Guerrero filling in for Leo Luna. And with us, as always, Jason Aponte. What's up, Jason? Yeah, it was a, it was a very eventful practice today. Everything's going good, but a uh, lot to talk about, a lot to get to. Yeah, this is a very special edition of the show because this is episode 54, the Fred Warner edition of the program, and he is a huge factor in what happened today. We are going to get to all of that, but before we do, I always say, please, please, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you leave us a review, I promise, always good, bad, or ugly, we will read it on the show. This comes from NS Choirs who gives us five stars. Thank you. Best Niners pod. I'll keep this short and sweet. This is the best Niners podcast. Hands down at times during last season. I look forward to this pod more than watching Garoppolo throw the football on Sunday. That was a low bar. I live in Cardinals territory down in Arizona. I know gross. And this podcast helps me get through the mornings. The only way it could be better is if they brought KP a freaking microphone. So I could actually hear him while I'm driving around in my car. I get smarter every time I listen to his show, so it'd be great if we could hear him better. Thanks for the pot. First of all, KP has a microphone. It's a very he? good microphone. It's He uses it all the time. Akash sometimes doesn't because he has to record the pot at work sometimes, so he doesn't always have his mic. Uh, but no, KP has a mic, but we appreciate the five stars nonetheless. Absolutely, yeah. I, and it's good to hear that they're being informed and entertained because that's at the end of the day what we're trying to do. Look, the the truth is there's a lot of 49ers podcasts out there. A lot, like more than even some other NFL teams. It's a big community. You can get a lot of the information in different spots. What keeps you coming back is that you like us. It's us. It's the personality that we have here. And we try to bring that to everybody in every show that we do, which is why we're going to have Levin and Michelle box each other basically on the gold standard podcast this week because they were arguing on Twitter like, you can get info anywhere. We try to give you a little something extra. That's what you and Leo usually do when he's uh, not too busy to do the show. I know, right? Like right during training camp and everything, too busy. I've got to have to. Have, I'm gonna have to have a word with him offline. I think he's just mad about the Giants trade deadline situation. Makes sense, honestly. He's been talking <laughs> about them so much. Also, JD Hog nine one six, short and sweet, five stars. Great show, love listening. So thank you very much. Keep those coming. Like I said. Getting that Apple review uh, star rating up. We do appreciate it. Uh, all right, let's get to the big news of the day, Jason, because you were there for it. There was a knockdown drag out between Fred Warner and Brandon Ayuk. Tell us what happened. So at first, it was a, a quick play on 11 on 11s. Ayuk made uh, a nice catch. I mean, today he was continuing his stellar play. He's been the, the standout on offense. And Fred, I guess, punched at the ball a little. Didn't like that. Then it turned into... Good old fist of cuffs and everybody's just like scrambling and jumping on each other. It was hard to see who was in the middle of it all, but that gets separated. And then it was a hit that Fred Warner had on Marcus Johnson, number six, that he turns to the wide receiver group and he flexed. And that's when, <laughs> yeah, that's when Brandon Ayuk and Fred Warner squared up with, with fists and Dre Greenlaw came running over with the same thing. And Kyle Shanahan the mad dad had to stop practice and get everybody back in line. But it, it goes back to what Fred Warner said in his press conference about, I like to chirp at him and I see something in him and I'm going to stay on him. And he said, he doesn't like that. Clearly Brendan Ayuk got pushed too far today, but he continued his stellar play. It didn't get in his head or anything like that. He he made several great catches after that. So it wasn't something like it ruined his day, but that was very, very interesting. I like the fighting, you know, I don't want it to become a regular thing, but I'm old enough to remember in 94, the year the Niners won the Super Bowl, 
they've gotten killed by the Eagles. They're getting crushed. And George Seifert, the head coach at the time, pulls Steve Young out of the game because they're getting killed and Young is getting killed. And he's like, I'm trying to, you know, save my guy here to live to play another day. And Young is furious on the sideline. And he has talked about this in interviews. He wanted to fight George Seifert. And he had to be held back, literally, because he was going to attack his head coach. And the team's response to that was like, damn, Steve Young's got a little bit of dog in him. We kind of like this. And it sort of galvanized the team going forward. Now, as long as this isn't a regular thing, I kind of like it by the Niners. Like, there's a level of play that's expected, and they're holding each other accountable. And you want to have that kind of fire. It's competitive spirit. And in, and for Fred Warner, a leader of this team, to see something in Brandon Ayuk as a wide receiver goes to speak to his leadership. But, yeah, you definitely don't want this to happen much. But this kind of felt like it was building and it popped, um, especially after, you know, Fred. I was very shocked the second time because Fred, he absolutely lays out Marcus Johnson. And, <laughs> yes, you're, you're in pads. But then to turn and flex and then that's it. Like Ayuk lost it and went right to him. It's clear that this has been happening for a while. This is his method to push Brendan Ayuk to get whatever it is that he sees in him out. And you really can't argue with the results so far. Brendan Ayuk has been far and away the best player on offense. Yeah, that's the really interesting thing. Like, he didn't level Debo. He didn't level Ayuk. He leveled Marcus Johnson. Like, who is Marcus? Like, I that's calculated by Fred Warner. No disrespect to Marcus but he's not on the level of those other guys. I think it was a calculated thing. I mean, when you get up and flex afterwards, you know what you're doing clearly. I, You've been around this team more than I have, obviously. I'm in Connecticut. I did not realize that Fred Warner was this kind of guy. Like, I thought Fred was just like a really good kind of a, like, cerebral-type player who just goes out and get his, gets his stuff done. I didn't realize he was kind of this, for lack of a better term, ass in this way has he always been this way or is this like a new fred warner that we're seeing it could be an evolution in his in the way that he de decides to you know be a leader and that's the thing it's almost like a coach right you, there's no cookie cutter way to coach everybody sometimes you have to push buttons on people sometimes you can go a little bit softer on guys sometimes you have to be a little bit harder on guys and i think fred is starting to figure that out so again what what i took away from his press conference wasn't necessarily anything that was really mean or mean spirited but in the heat of battle these are men um, yeah, you know, t tensions are going to rise and they're, they're going to, they're going to boil over at points. I, I talked real quick with uh, guy Haberman on the sideline and he said, and this is, this is another good thing. Dre Greenlaw was walking around pacing just like, and like talking to himself and like getting himself in his zone. And it was just like, man, like these guys are dialed in and it's only day, <laughs> day two of pads. So that, that was a good little nugget to have. Yeah, I heard the Greenlaw was really fired up. I think Matt Barrow said that like Debo ran in the scrum from like 20 yards away, which my God, if there is a fight, I think I want to be on Debo's side. That I don't want that freight train coming at me. But look, I think Kyle likes it too. He probably won't admit it, but I think he likes it. He talked about in the beginning of camp how they want to come out aggressive, especially in the early part of the year. And he was just not talking about winning games. Like I think... They want to come out and smash you. And I think this whole thing is just like you said, like gearing up for that. I mean, we still have weeks to go before the season starts, but I, I feel like the expectation has been set. Kyle talked about how good he thinks the team is wanting to play aggressive. All the players have talked about it. Debo just called today, called the defense, the best defense in the league. Like they're not running away from this. They're like, we're good. We know it. We want you to know it. And we're coming for you. And I love it as a fan. I love it. Yeah. And iron sharp sharpens iron, right? Like if I can get on the cliche train and there's just so, so many things about 
tone being set. And I think that's really what's going on right now, especially when it comes to the kid taking over as well, too. You want to establish yourself early on and, and, and set the tone for what you expect. And, you know, this is the way that Fred's going about it. But again, you can't really argue with the results. Brandon Ayuk isn't going to land in anybody's doghouse anytime soon if he continues to play this way. He had another standout practice today. You got to love it. I love that we continue. Like you have talked about the theme of like, just where are these guys throughout camp? And every day, the two names I hear are Brandon Ayuk and Charvarius Ward. And it's just, it hasn't stopped. And to me, like, that's a sign that this is a real thing. This isn't just like a training camp, have a good day, whatever. It's like, no, this is repeated day after day. These guys are making plays against good players, sometimes against one another. And I just think that's going to carry over into the regular season. And I love it because on the, on the offensive side, Trey obviously is going to need as much help as he can get. And on the defensive side, like anything out of the secondary that this team can get will help the pass rush and defensive line so much. Absolutely. And Ward was out off today and still the defense was ferocious at points, uh, made plays on the ball. Talano Hufanga continues to play well in one-on-ones, and he's always around the ball. He nearly had an interception today. There were no interceptions today. Yeah. But he, he, was, he nearly made uh, the only one of the day. And another thing that, that kind of jumped out at you is that this was Danny Gray's best session. Two passes on each sideline. One, oh, they're both from Nate Sudfeld. Down the field, beautifully ball, uh, thrown balls. He got a step on guys. And that was really encouraging, and he caught a slant. Uh, it's, it wouldn't say over the middle, but trending towards the middle in breaking route. Took a hit, stood right in there and got it. An encouraging day from Danny Gray today. You got to like that because you just want him to be a legitimate threat out there. He doesn't have to be another Debo Samuel. Just be somebody that the defense has to take seriously. The Niners have tried this. They tried it with Marquise Goodwin. They tried it with uh, the ghost of, I can't even think of his name last Travis year. Benjamin. Travis Benjamin. Thank you very much. And it's like, yeah, these guys are out there, but no one, they're not getting the ball. Like no one is scared of them. If you can have a guy out there in Danny Gray that just injects a little bit of fear where he's just going to run down the seam, attract some attention from the safeties. You have Debo, you have IU cutting in, you know, underneath that. Like there's going to be space for this deep. We haven't seen space for this offense because everybody's been camped out between the hash marks 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. We need to open things up, and that's what Danny Gray can do. So I like that I'm starting to hear a couple of good things about him because early on I didn't hear anything. I was getting a little nervous. Yeah, and that's pretty funny about that, how that works. And again, that's why you don't overreact or or scoff at anything that's really going on because you or you shouldn't you shouldn't take all of this stuff and say, well, if one way, one guy's playing one way, that's it. His story is written. And like that, that's the part of training camp. And everything's about stacking days. And and you can say that about every single player. And Danny Gray's had a good day. Now, tomorrow, come back, do it again. And that's all Brendan Ayuk has been doing while he's been here. And Trey Lance is starting to do that as well, too. Well, well, I can't just gloss over that. What what uh, have you seen from Trey that leads you to say that? Well, today, uh, it, funny thing, Rob, when the protection holds up, Trey Lance is pretty good uh, when he's not <laughs> run, when he's not running from his for his life. So early on, they they focus on the run game, but he hit Ayuk again. Trey Sermon had a very good day running the ball today, probably his best session, and he actually looked slim. Was making good cuts. It was a very very good uh, day for him. Debo made a nice catch bending backwards on a, on a Suffolk play, but I'm just reading through my notes really quickly. But mm-hmm. he was better, obviously, with protection. But then halfway through, Michael Gucci wasn't in there today. Halfway through, the defensive line started getting back into it. And then that's when you see, you know, yeah, he'll throw the ball down the field, but that's a sack. That's a sack. You know, and then that's what I started to like. I'm like, okay, that's a sack. That's a sack. And it's not necessarily anything he's doing. It's that this defensive line is ferocious. And especially when you think about 
Mike McGlinchey not being there. Jalen Moore was having a tough time. Spencer Burford is there. And it was more like whenever Nick Bosa was over on certain sides, it was just too hard to contain him. So, I mean, again, the numbers, people always ask you, well, what did he, you know, attempt attempts and, and completions, they don't really matter because they don't tell the story. Some were throwaways. Some were just flat out sacks that wouldn't have been throws anyway, or some were just check down. So I don't prefer to keep those numbers. When you watch him play, when you watch him play under pressure and make those throws when he has the pocket or when the pocket's there for him, how does he react? He's starting to get better and better as the days go on. Still, still a work in progress. Tell me if you think this is crazy, because I'm really trying to take this slow and not like get my expectations up there. But I keep hearing all this stuff about how like Trey doesn't have time to throw. Trent Williams talked about like, look, the plays that Trey is making are against a really good defense. Part of me wonders, like, is he going to get out there in week one and drop back to pass and have nobody come at him and just be like, oh, this is way easier. Like, I can do this. I I just wonder, like, is he going to get out there and just be so used to the 49ers defense that when he doesn't face that, he's going to be like really, really good. Yeah, it's a perfect way to look at it. And I think that it is good for this because there's pressure in your face and you can't get hit. So it's like the best of both worlds. And you're understanding <laughs> how to you're understanding how to how to where where to identify it from. And I think that's what they're kind of trying to pick up right now with Brunskill. He took the center reps today. So they're trying to identify the blitzes and the call outs, all those things. But when you start to feel things in the pocket, you start to realize this is how I should be reacting. This is how I go through my progressions. And all that stuff is going to be paramount. And yeah, you're right. When he goes to face the Bears, no disrespect to the Bears, they're not going to be anywhere near this defense. And not many defenses are, to be fair. That has me so, so excited. I've already, I've begun to assemble the list today. I started doing it. Just all the trash that we've been hearing about Trey Lance is literally saved in the, in the pictures folder on my phone. And it's just... You know, I got the Grant Cone tweet that Trey Lance is Tim Tebow with a better arm. I've got, you know, all these people just trashing Trey again and again and again. It's all ready to go. So when he has that good game against the Bears, I'm just going to drop this giant collage. And of course, who knows what's going to happen after that. But I'm still planning on doing it, damn it. I mean, I love the pettiness. I've been doing it yes. myself, especially when the <laughs> when the quarterback one thing happened. But there was a there's a two play sequence that I wanted to go to in his third set of reps. Um, he got a pressure from Nick Bosa right away, and he's in his face and he tries to throw around him, but Aziz was on on Kittle, it ended up incomplete. And then the next play, he comes right back and he fires an absolute like rifle like dart over the middle to Debo Samuel and it was just really encouraging to see that rapport building they even ran the Debo special the tunnel screen where he takes one step and he comes right back and they throw it to him at the line and all the blockers are in front of him they ran it with Ayuk so I mean it's encouraging there's there's plays to look at that you're just like yeah there it is and you're starting to see it so again we're through it through camp but he's getting better each day and I'm not really here to focus on the numbers because I don't think that tells the whole story see that is a first-hand account from somebody who's actually at training camp who can tell you what's actually going on and give you the nitty gritty details. And by the way, you're not just at camp. You're staying at camp longer. I thought you were leaving today. But that's not the case. Nope. I'll be here till Saturday. I mean, there's going to be too many people here. I, I'm, I'm having too much fun taking care of all of this and watching. It's just, I, I want it. I'm, I'm so interested to see how this continues because of the way people were reacting to Trey Lance and, and the way he started. So yeah, I, I think that this is going to be a fun time. Was NFL Network there today? I thought I saw that uh, Ian Rappaport was there because I think like George Kittle George had Kittle some sort in. of interaction with them. 
Yeah, he was there. They were there, but uh, Kurt Warner was actually around the, the sidelines, of, I want to say, two or three practices ago, but I didn't really see anybody yeah. roaming the sidelines this time. Kurt Warner, you see him meet John Lynch. They, like, spoke for a bunch. But, yeah, it, it, they were there, but they weren't necessarily there there. I guess they were all on the other side of the field where Jimmy Garoppolo was throwing, which is very secret stuff. Like, you couldn't record and you couldn't go – you you can't <laughs> talk or record or take pictures of Jimmy Garoppolo. You just can't. I mean, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I, I knew that was going to get you going. <laughs> You're trying to keep Jimmy Garoppolo a secret? We know what he is. We know what he is. No one is trading for him. Like, can we just stop this charade? Teams are not stupid. They know you're going to cut him before week one. They know. Just do it. <laughs> what are we doing? Like, oh, my God. Just memo to John Lynch. And I know he's in a rough place right now because he fell off his bike and his face is all smashed up. Really? Yeah. That's why he did a conference call with the media today instead of like a regular presser because wow. he said he got into a bike accident after doing the Debo contract. Basically, he was like, all right, I need to go outside. I need to, you know, take a break. And he went for a bike ride, didn't have a helmet on. And he took a, some sort of spill and his face is all like cut up, apparently. I did not okay. know that. I did not know that, man. Wow, that's a tough guy. Yeah, well, you know, it's John Lynch. He's a Hall of Famer. It's funny, right. though. You you know, wore a helmet for like 15 years in the NFL. He didn't wear one riding his bike. That's a little weird. <laughs> but anyway, John, you don't set the market value on Jimmy Garoppolo. The market does. And the market has spoken. Nobody wants him. So this whole, like, like, they're just constantly trying to puff him up, right? Last year, it was the best Jimmy G we've ever seen. They're constantly puffing him up, and nobody wants him again and again and again and again, and they're still trying to do it now with this whole shroud of secrecy. I think they're just low-playing it to see if there's, God forbid, an injury to somebody else, then they become desperate, something like that. But, yeah, it's going to be push-come-to-shove time pretty soon, so we'll see. I mean, I can't necessarily knock the way that they're dealing with this right now because you do cut him, and then you give him a chance to go catch on somewhere else. He can catch a playbook. I mean, it's a little bit tactical to hold Who on to Who cares? Him. Well, let's see what happens. If somebody gets injured, then they they can get it, you know, uh, some some value for them, and it would have to be a fringe like playoff team. We know what happened with the Sean Watson, which is why I told you guys not to worry about Cleveland. Yeah, that I mean, God, that whole. By the way, don't you think it's a little weird that they keep saying with this whole Jeffrey Ross suspension with the Dolphins, he's suspended through October seventeen. He's suspended through October. Do you know when October seventeen is? It's week six. Like, oh, wow. they're they're trying to obscure the fact that Deshaun Watson is suspended six games, and so is Jeffrey Ross suspended for like they don't want people making that connection. I feel like because it's always referred to as suspended through October seventeenth, which is really really weird. I'm just I don't know. That's just an aside. I, I just want to say just that my last little bit on this too is Brian Flores was right about Stephen Ross. So yeah. make sure that you guys make sure you guys. Don't you know you guys who are like overreacting to Brian Flores always making things up? He didn't make any of that up, and they found enough on Stephen Ross to suspend him and strip them of those picks. It's a shame because Mike McDaniel's over there and now. That dark cloud is over with them. I mean, it's a, so first of all, like imagine being Mike McDaniel. They didn't want you. They wanted Sean Payton. You were Plan B, dude. First of all, and second of all, like the NFL admitted that Stephen Ross talked about paying Brian Flores to lose games. And their defense for this was, LOL, just kidding. Ha <laughs> ha, he was joking. Like, no, 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 no. Trust me when I tell you, part of the reason the Dolphins were punished by the, the way they were is because of 
the tanking stuff. It is not for the tampering. The, t- the NFL does not give a rat's ass about tampering. Everybody tampers. Everybody does it. The combine is one giant tampering event. They all go, the, they call it the train station where everybody goes and tampers every year. And everybody, the league does not care about that. They dinged Ross because of the tanking allegations. And if you think the NFL is going to come right out and say that Ross was tanking games, forget, they'll never admit it, especially now with all the gambling stuff that, that the league is partnered with and coming into, they would never admit that. It's just a shame that the Dolphins, even though they lost their first round pick, still have the Niners first round pick in 2023 because of the Lance trade. That's just pretty funny. I saw a lot of 49er fans like lapping it up about them. And I wanted to say, uh, slow down. They still have your pick for Lance. So, you know, yeah, how that trade's looking better and better, though. Right. I mean, the 12th pick could be the highest pick the Niners end up giving up in that deal, depending on this year works out. It does. And I think that's kind of what their thinking was, is that we're not going to be bad. So, I mean, you know, it's not like you're going to get a high pick. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it is working out, especially if the kid continues to grow and comes and becomes what many of us think he can be. That's why you can't freak out about stuff like this, about when when you're trading or acquiring potential. You got to slow play it a little bit because you don't know what it's going to be. There's a lot of baseball fans right now freaking out at the trade deadline because teams are trading prospects or acquiring prospects like you don't know what any of those are going to be yet. So you can't to have this like instantly strong reaction is a little nuts here. We got to just slow down. Take a page out of the 49ers book with Debo Samuel. Just slow down and relax and let everything simmer down and you'll see how it works out. Absolutely. Give me the short thing, not the thing that you think you can project is the best way I could put it for any sport. Do you think it was a little weird that they asked Debo today, do you regret requesting a trade? And in so many words, he basically answered, no. I don't think so. Again, the end justifies the means. It's business. It was never anything that was like, get me out of here. It was just the negotiating tactics and just the way of the world at this point. I Again, I hold that against no player because they deserve to be paid whatever it is that they are mm-hmm. and they believe themselves to be. And uh, so, yeah, I have no problem with the way that he handles it. But, yeah, I'm sure that was going to be a question that was going to be asked because people want to see what he would say. And, you know, they'll look back at that and say, yeah, well, that was a fun time, crazy time. But it, it never really meant anything other than him just trying to get the amount of money that he felt he was owed. Last thing I want to get to in my notes here, because I want to give a special shout out to Trent Williams, because when Debo spoke today, he specifically talked about how he leaned on Trent Williams a lot to get through these negotiations. He called it the most stressful week of his life this week when they were, you know, finalizing everything. And Trent has talked about he's sort of been a big brother to a lot of guys. And I think it is massive for this team to have somebody like that, like when your best elite players are your leaders that's how you get the quote-unquote like great organization that's how you get that culture and Trent Williams deserves a massive pat on the back because this could have been a huge headache for the 49ers and they avoided it in part due to Trent Williams absolutely as somebody who just went through this type of thing where he went through it in Washington he just went through a free agent period like it, it was great advice and and it always comes I've always felt the the jobs that I respected the most the managers the guys who were trying to be leaders we're speaking from experience and not out of some sort of book because they should be able to tell you, listen, I understand why you're upset. You have every right to be upset, but you also have to play this the right way in terms of putting out too much, too much negative uh, noises and, and, and voices and things like that. And, and, and that is, is the part that I think Trent walked him through and got him to this point. So yes, it's absolutely good to see that. There's a lot of, a lot of guys who got paid on this uh, roster that probably gave Debo advice along the way, but it's good to hear Trent speak up a little bit because some of those guys, 
while they talked about it, it didn't feel like they wanted to give anything other than general statements about I, you know, I don't I don't hold it against him for doing that or anything like that. And there's gonna be a lot more guys that are gonna go through that. There are 42 players that are unsigned beyond this season on the 49ers roster right now. Now, some of those are like Jimmy Garoppolo is one of them, so that's not a big thing. But like still, there's 41 other guys, and we're not talking like insignificant people. We're talking Jimmy Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, Greenlaw, Aziz Alshire, Mike McGlinchey. Like these are big names that have to go through this whole process, which as you know, like negotiating with the 49ers, not a comfortable process, not a pleasant process, essentially. Like Prague Marate does not mess around. He's going to put the screws to you no matter what you've done for the team. So this is going to come up again. And it's nice that the Niners at least have so many guys that number one, have just gone through this. And number two, like can say like legitimately, Hey, if you just deal with it, grit your teeth and get through it. And the team will pay you, you know, like the Niners do take care of their own generally. Yeah. It's a gift and a curse of a a loaded roster. And Richard Sherman, who actually negotiated his own contract has said at length about, I know how Parag haggles and everything. And, and it's, it's been something where players eventually talk about it, but negotiations it seems like with this front office are a little bit different in certain ways but i can't speculate on that it's just i'm going off of what what these players have said in terms of that they have a number maybe we can meet in the middle but let's not get too crazy because we're not going to overextend ourselves so it's going to be so much fun this year. I cannot wait to get started. And it sounds like from everything we heard today at training camp, neither can the Niners. Was there anything else from your notes that you want to mention before we call it a day? I mean, Trey Sermon had a phenomenal day today. Uh, Tano Hufanga seems to be sharpening up his 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 one-on-one skills. Yesterday, he had a, a PBU and an interception on Ross Dwelly. He covered George Kittle and was all over him in short area where he had another PBU. That is very encouraging. And uh, Nate Suffield actually had two really nice throws today. Trey was progressing pretty well. Jordan Mason is going to be really hard to keep him off this roster because he not only is running well, he's catching the hell out of the ball out of the backfield. I I was very shocked at that portion of his game. So Jordan Mason, buddy, you want to keep your eye on. And uh, yeah, defense really, really good. The defensive line (laughs) is really, really good. Like, I mean, you're just going to say it every single day. Traveris Ward had the day off today and you wouldn't have known it. I mean, I guess that's why there were no interceptions today. Correlation, maybe, you know, but at the same time, this defense is has so many depth pieces at corner and what they could do and what they could run. I love that about Mason because they need a guy, a back, that can catch the ball out of the backfield. They've been using Jamichael Hasty that way. He, he's, I hate to be a meme, but he's not that guy. Like, we don't need Jamichael Hasty on this roster anymore. So I, I love I will to say this. That. I will say this. Jeff Wilson was out with an injury yesterday. Today, he kind of came back. I will say this about Jermichael Hasty. To his credit, he has been very good in his one-on-one uh, matchups. It doesn't matter who it was. He kind of smoked Aziz Al-Shair. He got past Fred Warner, but Fred Warner had to make a play late on the ball. So he has his value. But, yeah, I do think that he, him and Jeff Wilson are starting to fall behind. And you're, it's going to be one of those two that probably aren't going to make it. CDP had the dates. He fumbled on a pitch, which caught us in life. He actually looked, this was his best session. Same thing with Sermon. Again, hard to hard to look too far into it right now since it's only day two of pads. But uh, but yeah, it's Jordan Mason every single day that I've been there has has either ripped off a run that was very impressive or made a catch that I was very shocked at. I just keep looking at all these rooms for the 49ers. Wide receiver room. I love it. Running back room. No matter who they pick, like I know that not everybody's going to make the team, but regardless of what the cuts are, like I really, really like it. Linebacker room is probably the best in the league. 
secondary room is getting better. The defensive line, forget about it. Like really offensive line is like really the only sort of position group on the team where I have real, a real fear, even with Trey's unknown, but I'm not really scared about him, but like the offensive line scares me a little bit, but that's it. The rest of the team I love. And I think that'll be calmed when they get to their rotation. Yesterday was Brendel. Today is Brunskill. And, you know, Banks is the constant. Burfer is the constant. And then Trent is in and out on reps. And so, and Mike McGlinchey had a day off today. So, again, look who they're facing. Look at the look at the rotations. I wouldn't necessarily push the panic button on it just yet. But you're going to have to start to see cohesiveness once they get that rotation set and who they're actually going to start. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see when they stop the music for the game of musical chairs and actually just pick the guys and let them go together and we'll see how they actually perform once they get in there and get some some game time together uh that's gonna do it for this edition of the podcast again rate review follow the niners nation podcast network let's get that apple star rating up and uh if you leave a review i promise we will read it on the show especially if you insult one of the hosts i'd be happy to read that on the air jason thank you very much for taking the time today i know you are absolutely wiped out after covering practice all day so thanks for hopping in here and uh, I can't wait to hear you, you and Luna, uh, you and Leo at the uh, next week. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Rob. And uh, it's been a blast. And that's why I couldn't leave so soon. It was too quick. I was like, I, I need to see a little <laughs> bit more. So, yeah, I'll uh, I'll keep uh, I'll keep the notes coming. <laughs>